Oh, that did not bit out. Please remain seated. You are now entering the nerd bunker. Hello and welcome to Nerd Bunker Podcast. I'm Mike, and as always, I'm joined by Hayley. Hello. You're right. Yeah, not so bad. Good, good, good. So week five. And now it's a bit mental, isn't it? It's five weeks of us sitting here talking a load of rubbish. <laughs> We're still here. They say after after three three doing something three times, it becomes a habit. Do they? I don't know, it's something like that. I thought it were a lot more than that. Maybe I pick up habits easy. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel like quite a nice habit, though, because my Monday evenings are, like, planned to sit. And it's basically like an old-fashioned phone call, isn't it? You know, those things that you used to do with people. But obviously, we can't meet up with anybody anymore. Since being replaced by texts. Yeah. So, start as we always do with what you're reading, playing, listening to, watching. What have you done? Reading the nutritional information on the back of food products. <laughs> Telling you this, uh, what do they call it? The COVID-15 pound. I think mine's more like COVID-15 stone. <laughs> oh, I, I laugh, but no, um, I'm, I'm back on it. I'm trying to sort myself out. And as soon as the weather turns, I want to do the couch to 5K again. Couch to 5K? Yeah, that's it. Couch to 5K. Because yeah. um, I did that last year. Well, we sort of did it together, didn't we? Um, did indeed. You know, and that was really, really good. And I wish I'd been able to keep it up, but I don't like running in dark. And it's chuffing snowing now, so... Uh, yeah, I started it again last week. Yeah, I meant to ask and... you, actually. It's been bloody cold. I was running in the hail at the weekend. Oh, God. Um, we're supposed to yeah. go tomorrow, but I hate getting wet. And it's... Mm. Yeah, it, it doesn't it don't encourage you, does it? We're doing the couch to 10k. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, I'll stick to five. Yeah, but you do... It builds you up to the 5k and then it just carries you on. No, it does. It does. So it's, it's just easier yeah. to do that. But I don't yeah. think I'm up to running 6.2 miles, is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know I can do the 5K. Um, I think if I went out and tried to do it right now, pretending it was daylight and the weather was nice, um, I think I would struggle. Um, But I know I've got it in me and I know I can get there again. So, Um, Welcome to the fitness channel. (laughs) (laughs) The running nerd. Uh, Yeah, running nerd. Oh, no, no, that's never going to work. So, yeah, did you find anything interesting on the back of these food packets? All these e-numbers. Um, <laughs> oh, chuffing palm oils in everything. Christ. Um, I didn't in, intend on going off on this one, but <laughs> <laughs> we definitely should have called this the rabbit hole rather than the nerd bunker. Um, but no, just, <laughs> you know, simple calorie counting, put it in an app, keep a track of things. Um Trying to eat healthily, plant-based, you know, not a big fan of meat or anything, so 
We'll see. We'll see. But I'm the opposite, and it's it's meat all the way. <sighs> I just don't. I don't really like the taste of meat. I mean, I've toyed with being vegan uh, many times. Um, there are many haters out there. Um, <laughs> But um, I just don't particularly like the taste of meat, to be fair. So it's not even like I'm trying to be difficult. Um, I would only ever really left with chicken, and that just gets boring. Um, and plants are quite interesting when you take the time to do things with them. I'll take your word for it. So um, <laughs> I'll just rewind the previous four minutes and get back to what I was supposed to say. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to be funny and saying I read something. I got myself uh, another episode of The Secrets of Cinema. Um, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a series I'm watching on BBC iPlayer. Um, Mark Commode breaks down the different genres of cinema. So it's like a visual essay, but it's interesting. And he talks about lots of old films, comparing them to new ones. And this episode was science fiction. So uh, I've been looking forward to this. I've sort of been saving it a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm saving an episode of a chopping TV series. But I think science fiction, it is the future, what we can make of it or what we're afraid of or what we dream about, um, utopian, dystopian it can be like really scary. I mean, like Aliens is uh, sci-fi, but it's also a horror. So you know, it uh, ticks all my boxes. Yeah. Um. And what got me really excited? The first film that they featured on this episode is one of my all-time favorite films, and it's The Time Machine, um, but the nineteen sixties version. This is a time machine. Yep. Not yep. the 2002 remake with Guy Pearce. He should have stayed in Neighbours. Although he was in, ooh, I want to say Memento, or was that the one with Tom Cruise in? Not sure. But he was good in that, so I'll let him off. No. Um, he played Mike in Neighbours. I don't know if you ever did Neighbours. Uh, I was unfortunate enough to see a few of them when I was still living at home. He went out with, ooh, Helen. No, not Helen, she was the old woman. Um, Mrs. Mangle's <laughs> granddaughter, the blonde one? I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the time machine. Um, and I think it was probably the first film that really got me into sci-fi. Um, and I remember watching it many, many, many times. And it's scary, um have you ever seen yeah, it? Yeah, it's um years ago. Uh, it's the one with um is it there where they live under the ground and they're like these white monsters. Yeah. Um if I was an educated man I'd tell you what they're called, but uh Morlocks. That was the one. Yeah, they've got like blue skin um and like white hair and like hairy arms and hairy hands and stuff. And they are like proper scary actually. There's a couple of scenes where you see like these teeth and you know, their eyes are, like, glowing. Um, but, yeah, basically, um, there's, I think, I don't know, like, World War Three or whatever, nuclear fallout, and the population split in two. So you've got the people that moved underground and some people that survived overground. 
and long story short, the people underground turned into these Morlocks and they started treating the people overground like cattle and bred them. They provided everything for them, um, but then they were cannibals and took them down and ate them. <laughs> that's what is going to happen in society. But that aside, um, the technology of it is really good. You know, for the time, some of the... Um, skills and methods that they employed to make it look like time was passing. Um, So having stop-motion animation of flowers opening and closing, um, candles burning down, um, speeded-up movement um, of the sun going across the sky and what have you. Um, It clearly had a big impact on me when I was a kid because it's still one of my favourite films. Um, I tried reading the book. Um, it's by H.G. Wells. Yeah, I always want to say the other guy, but I can't remember now. Uh, Jules Verne. But no, this is H.G. Wells. Yes, Jules Verne was a voyage to the bottom of the sea, centre of the earth. Yeah, yeah. But the language of the book was just too much for me. It was like, it's not a very thick book, um, but the language was very thick. It was, I don't know how to describe it, but if it was visual, it'd be like really heavily decorative. And I just, I couldn't get past the way that it was written at all. So I abandoned that. But also on this episode, it's a little interesting fact, um, because obviously they got onto UFOs and what have you, because it being a sci-fi episode. I love 50s B movies. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, UFO mania... In the 40s, um, the first recorded sighting of a UFO, in inverted commas, um, was a cigar-shaped object that skipped, um, that skipped like a saucer off the water. Now, somehow, between that very first statement, the only thing that stayed is saucer. So all these UFOs that are saucer-shaped basically came from this one first sighting but it didn't even say they were saucer shaped it said it was cigar shaped yeah so somehow that stuck there have been quite a few reports of cigar shaped ufos over the years yeah uh my uh, oh christ what's it called now will smith Men in black independence day that is a cracking film he is so good in that, is he not? I don't know. It's years since I've seen it. That bit. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't that enamoured by oh, it. Oh, I love it. That bit. That bit where he punches the alien and he says, "Welcome to Earth." That's just a really, really good line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll save them for the UFO episode that we haven't planned yet. Um, but apart from that, um, nothing's really grabbed me that I did last week. Um, I did watch the first episode of the Star Trek thing, the animation Lower Decks. Yeah. 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 I saw that was on Amazon. On yeah. Yeah. It's on um, Amazon Prime. I only watched the first episode. It didn't grab me. Um, I liked the fact that it's a very next generation because that's like my Star Trek era. Um, and it was funny, but. I think I need to watch it again and pay a bit more attention to it because my little boy was running around at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, life, small people. I've read reports that it's 
it's good. Yeah, I have as but well. And I've also read reports that it's absolute pants. I've only heard good reports. I, I can't work out whether it's like a Star Trek version of Rick and Morty. Yeah, I've or... never seen that, so I've got no uh, comparison to it. I don't know. I'm going to give it another go. I'm not writing it off, but um, I did watch it. Um, and the other thing is more of a planning. Um, I just seem to be re- rehashing old things at the moment. I can't seem to get into anything new. Um, we're on series three of Vikings, um, which I'm really enjoying watching again. Um, but um, on BBC iPlayer... They've got a lot of the Scandi Noir stuff, and I was massively into that. Is that like the girl with the dragon tattoo? And yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. I've not seen it, I've not read it, I've not gone down that road. The books are really good. The first time I picked up the first book, it was a bit much. There was I just remember there being some charts and a lot of figures, and it just sort of like messed with my head a bit. But the more I got into it, that was, I couldn't put it down. And I remember, I think I was getting to the end of the second book and I sent my mum to Tesco's. <laughs> Other supermarkets are available yeah. to get the third book. It's like, mum, I need to read it. Will you go and get it for me? <laughs> she did, bless her. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Scandi Noir stuff I've always really liked. I feel, I don't know, drawn to this cold climate with crows sort of coring and lots of snow and I don't know I don't believe in past lives but if I did uh, I don't know there's something going off there I feel like I've got some sort of connection to this so I'm guessing you never saw a series called The Bridge no it was recommended to me by several people funnily enough I never got around to watching yeah, it. it it is really really good um it's that was the one where the body was found in the center and wasn't it like on a state line or a yeah country line it was um sweden denmark yeah um they've got a bridge and that was called the bridge <laughs> surprisingly um that's why it's called the bridge because the body was found half in sweden and half in denmark right um i'm not going to spoil anything for you because it I, i'm i'm probably going to start watching it again um and the the sort of main detective woman, um, she's called Saga, and I think she's got, um, apologies if I offend anybody by saying this, but I think she has Asperger's or something of that nature. I'm not sure if it's ever dealt with in the programme. She just works there and she isn't um, atypical. That's a better word, isn't it? And there was another... um, series called the killing have you ever had that one no i've not heard of that one i think that came before the bridge um it's uh the, again a female lead character um she's called sarah lund and she got famous for wearing these jumpers is it called a fair isle pattern i don't know um but big woolly jumpers with like patterns on right not scary christmasy ones you know um anybody that's watched the killing will completely understand <laughs> what i'm talking about <laughs> but yeah so i think i need to get my scandi noir um head back on um because i've not watched anything from that ilk for a while and everything seems to be on bbc iplayer i'm not really touching 
uh, Netflix at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, apart from that, a bit of uh, random YouTubing while I was waiting for Red Dead 2 to reinstall. Because I've been... <laughs> <laughs> I've got a goddamn PlayStation 5 and no games to play. Oh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I <laughs> know, um, oh, I've been looking at your pictures like you've been posting and stuff and it's like, oh, yeah. man, I want to play it again now. Oh, oh no, somebody, somebody's got my copy. <laughs> yes, you lent it to me because I sell everything. <laughs> also, though, when I played it the first time, um, it was on Xbox um, and we sold the Xbox, so um, I've never had a PlayStation version. Has there been any noticeable difference? Perhaps it's upscaled on the PlayStation um, 5, but between the Xbox and the PlayStation? Yeah, it asked me if I wanted to play in HD, and I said yes. Um, and the graphics look really, really good. The The movement's still a bit clunky. You know, when you're, your character's walking and that, it never quite matches real footsteps. Well, that's, that's all the time on the horse. Yeah, yeah. It does um, that to a man. Yeah. <laughs> but apart from that, the, it looks really good. Um, I don't know if I'm going to, like, actually play it properly. I think I just want to, like, go fishing and hunt animals and... <laughs> Find all the weird stuff. Yeah, just chill out in the world. As the meteor crash... UFO. Yeah, yeah. The talking giant or whatever it is. See, I didn't do half of that first time round. See, I spent longer doing that. I spent hours trying to find the ghost train. Yeah, you told me about that one before and I never... Just to find the ghost train. And to the point where I'd never actually finished the game. I got... Um, I didn't quite finish the... Um, whatever you call it. The, is it the prologue? Um, the bit at the end, you know, after... Arthur's died. Yeah. Um I didn't quite finish that. I think I got a bit fed up. It'll keep me going. I mean we we have actually bought Cyberpunk against my uh better judgment. I might watch him playing it to see <laughs> what it's like. Um but if it's crap I can sell it so <laughs> or it's PS4, so I'll let you borrow it first and see what you think. I don't think mine's up to running it. Because they never actually released it on PS5. It's still a PS4 game, which is part of the madness, really. I don't, ah, they fucked up proper with that, is you it? know. I mean, they've released a PS5. Their main big money, big brand game that is coming out is for the PS4. Oh, oh I could talk about this forever. Shut up. <laughs> I thought they were going to do it like they did uh, Assassin's Creed, where they did both, didn't they? They released the PS4 version and... PS5 version of the Valhalla. I'm sure yeah. they did. Yeah, they did because we got the PS5 version. Um, but they haven't done that for Cyberpunk. But I, th I think, to be honest, if you try to play it on the PS4, I don't think it'll work. I think that's what half the trouble is. I suppose they were probably thinking more that more people would download it. Maybe. Maybe. It works all right on PCs, apparently. But I don't know. We've got it all loaded up anyway. So I'm sure by the next episode, I'll be able to say something more fruitful about it. <laughs> um, but the point I really wanted to make, my random YouTubing <laughs> while Red Dead was installing, um, it must have been because I'd been looking at all this Nordic stuff. And um, there's a, oh God, what were it called? How Nordic Are You? And it's some sort of Netflix uh, YouTube or whatever. 
and they had um, Gustav Skarsgård on, who plays Floki um, in Vikings. Floki? Yeah. Um, and um, apparently a totally, like, Nordic thing to eat is cheese on toast with marmalade or sometimes jam. Okay. Cheese on jam. What? Yeah, I don't like cheese, so... I'm kind of lost with that. Jam on toast. Yeah, I can get... Cheese and jam. Yeah, I don't... I suppose, is it a sweet and sour? Th- I don't know. It's a... Um, cheese is your salty. I mean, marmalade's quite sharp, but if you were, if it were jam, then that's obviously your sweet. And maybe it's like the peanut butter and jam business. Maybe. Which I have had and is actually quite nice, so I'll uh, tip my cap to uh, the Americans for that one. Yeah, but I, I really like peanut crunchy peanut butter on toast with nutella spread on top and it, it's like reese's pieces on toast oh yeah but that's like classic chocolate peanut butter and there's about a million calories in oh, a slice God, I love reese's pieces. and it's so stodgy it all sticks through but it's like oh boy it sounds so nice so at the beginning of this podcast we were talking about counting calories <laughs> 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 and trying to eat better <laughs> yeah we, we didn't say we were any good at it oh <laughs> Oh, so, come on, tell me what you've been watching, reading, or not watching, or reading. <laughs> well, I'm still reading Folly of the World by uh, Jesse Bullingdon. But I'm about halfway through yeah. it now. It's kind of lost its pace a bit for me, so it's it's got to be a bit of a slog, but I'll, I'll finish it eventually. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to Audible, and I've been listening to uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, book three or four, I can't remember which one it is now. I'm trying to bang them out as quickly as I can because yeah. I'm actually playing in a D&D game that's set in the Wheel of Time universe. Oh, wow. So in order to research that, I don't, I'm trying to read it and not give myself any spoilers. Yeah. Also, I want to read it or listen to it being read to me before Amazon released their TV series of it. Oh, okay. Because I read... um. Game of Thrones before they released that on TV. I like to read it and then... Did you read them all? I mean, I know they weren't all available and that's another episode. Game of Thrones, yeah. I read what was available. Yeah, I've read all of them apart from the one he hasn't written. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Watching, believe it or not, I've watched something. (laughs) You had time to sit down, you busy boy. I started watching on... I I think it was on Amazon. And it was the, uh, The Real Middle Earth. And it was a documentary about the places that inspired Tolkien, where he got his place names from and all the bits and pieces. Yeah. And normally I love stuff like that, but I gave up halfway through. Why? Was it just crap? (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a really old TV show. It's probably like a straight to video thing. Oh, okay. So it wasn't in HD, which annoyed me. Yeah. And then it was just quite slow paced. I do remember one one of these little snippets that you hear. Tolkien and um, who wrote The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, they were friends of a sort. They knew each other. They communicated. Yeah, because they were part of the Inklings. At be- being from Oxford, I tend to know okay, these things. I've not heard that. Um, yeah, the Inklings were Tolkien, C.S. Lewis... Um, <laughs> having just said I know these things, I've forgotten his name already. Um, the one that wrote Alice <laughs> in Wonderland. Uh, Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Um, they were all like a group of writers that used to meet at the Eagle and Child in Oxford. 
And I used to sit in the corner and drink. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they all knew, knew one another that way. Oh, that's well cool. Oh, well, the, the point I was going to make is I'm, I'd heard that um, Tolkien um, had told, you've just said his name, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, you could never have um, a lamppost in the fantasy book. And so that's why he put the lamppost in the Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, just to stick two fingers up at Tolkien and say, if I want a lamppost in my book, I'm going to have one. <laughs> Don't know if that's like true, but it was something I heard. Yeah. I say, the, the Eagle and Child is a nice pub anyway in Oxford. <laughs> Have you read any um, The Lion, the Witch, Narnia series? Um, I've not read the books. I have obviously, well, not obviously, but I have seen the films. But for me, um, I preferred, there was a BBC, God, I sound like I work for him. BBC iPlayer on the BBC, BBC. <laughs> um, I don't. Um, in, the, in the, like, 90s, there was a BBC version. Yeah. Um, and I prefer that. Do you? I, I like the films. They didn't, I don't know, they just didn't sort of grab me. Oh, I quite liked them. They were all right, but I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it was the actors in it or something, uh, I just preferred this old <laughs> this old one. So you didn't see the, um, the Disney Plus show where it's the props? No. And one of the ones he does is the props from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Oh, okay. It, they're, they're really, be- I mean, they're beautifully made. Yeah. All the Snow Queen dresses and that and the sleigh is, it, oh, they're beautiful. I think, a lot, I think a lot of it was all done by Weta that did Lord of the Rings. Yeah, oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, but the, the Snow Queen character is like the same one that um, like Elsa's based on, isn't it? It's the same idea of a story um the evil snow queen but they made elsa from frozen not so evil she was a little bit funny at one point but um it is from the same story so i read if you go to disneyland paris they do let it go in french okay and it sounds so aggressive (laughs) she's up on stage and you're like oh my god that's, that's quite scary sounds really aggressive and you know she's what she's singing, but you're yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. Christ. Have you ever heard anybody talk Portuguese? I'm not slugging up Portuguese people, but um, I used to have a friend that was <laughs> Portuguese. And it that's like a quite violent sounding language. And maybe he was just angry all the time. I don't know. But whenever he talked, it always seemed very confrontational. Yeah, it's quite, quite harsh. Mm, not like our lovely English lilt. <laughs> my, my awful country bumpkin accent. <laughs> oh yeah, cause uh, my my northern uh, northern ramblings is far superior. <laughs> so yeah, I watched the real Middle Earth on Amazon, but it it only got it only got a two out of ten from me. Let you down. Uh, and the second thing I watched was the first episode of One Division. Mm, I meant to ask you about that. I haven't watched it yet. I don't. I'm not the biggest Marvel Universe fan. Yeah. I kind of know the characters, and it was a massive, what the fucking hell is going on? You're not alone, apparently. It's filmed like a, from what I can gather, each episode, it sort of moves through the decades of TV. So the first one's like 1950s. Oh, okay. And it's like a 1950s sitcom. And don't get me wrong, they've got the feel of it. They've captured it right. It feels what, well, from what I've seen of 1950s sitcoms. Yeah. But there's also this element of a real something going on underneath. 
and there's just certain little bits of it or the way stuff's delivered and you're like this has quite the potential of being a bit dark yeah um i'm gonna watch the rest of it well my my other friend that watched it um and he is into marvel stuff and he just sent me a message saying wtf <laughs> and that was it i said mate if you don't get it i ain't got a clue um but yeah that's definitely on my to-do list um but i just haven't got around to it yet so i think there's there's two or three episodes on there at a minute in there they're uploading them once a week i think um uh, i think there might even be three or four i think oh okay oh i've missed it that much well, I released the first two on the same day. Oh, okay, yeah, so there's probably four on there now then, yeah. Probably, because if they'd released the one on its own, they'd be like, we really don't get it. Yeah. Is it all like this? Yeah. Um, they did that with Discovery as well, Star Trek Discovery, because the first episode was a bit like, huh? So you needed the first two episodes to sort of get where you were starting before episode three was the story, basically. Um, yeah are you still watching that i haven't been watching it as, as much because my wife and daughter used to do like an online choir thing during this shutdown uh, they haven't done it since christmas but that was like oh, okay. my tv night um, and as they haven't been doing it i'm not not allowed the big tv in the posh room <laughs> you're not allowed the big tv <laughs> so i got the little black and white portable oh bless you <laughs> black and white portable no i haven't got one of them how old do you think i am did you ever have a black and white TV? Yeah. In the, well, it was my brother's bedroom, but he were in RAF, so I basically colonised it. Um, and there were a black and white telly, um, and the, it had a, a knob on it that you had to twist. Um, you pulled it out, and the channel buttons, you had to like physically push them in. That were a cracking little telly. I used to watch, ooh, back onto the sci-fi theme, The Invaders. It was a bit like Body Snatchery. I think it had Vincent Price in it. It was black and white anyway, so I wasn't missing anything. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like it was like a Body Snatcher theme, and I'm sure it was called The Invaders, and that was like a I don't know Saturday late morning job before lunch. I don't know. I used to have this tiny little probably a six inch TV, but it was a TV radio cassette player all in one oh i've seen them yeah me uncle had one and, oh man it was awesome because you used to be able to tune in to the local police radios oh. listen to all them and yeah it's, it's an awesome bit of kit <laughs> i wish i still had it but it's one of the things i never hoarded there was something you didn't hoard I know. <laughs> i'm really really hoping um my Mum and Dad kept their reel-to-reel player. I'm sure that they have. My mum says she can't remember throwing it away, um, but it'll be in one of the cupboards somewhere when we finally get to go through everything. Is that a cassette or film, like a cine film? Um, audio. Yeah. It's just like a flat box, and you put like one reel on the left and the other reel on the right. And I remember we had... War of the Worlds, a um, couple of other things. And I, I think I have a vague memory. There might have even been some blank tapes. So there might be some, like, 
mental recordings of me when I were a kid, which would be the coolest thing in the whole world. And I have all of my fingers and all of my toes and all appendages crossed that that is true. And someday I am going to find this jewel. So so if we've got what? a recording of a eight-year-old Hayley being a, a BBC Ooh. DJ, we're going to post it on here, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you're going to get a reel-to-reel tape. That's probably wise and I'm means. sure there's some technology somewhere. So what have I've watched that. I didn't watch that. Um, yeah, that's about it. I haven't played any computer games. I've done a few D&D games, but that's been about it, really. But have you enjoyed yourself? That's the most important thing. Well, apart from working, it's been all right. Uh, work. Oh, I also, um, I think you saw on my Instagram that I, uh, I built my graveyard terrain. Yeah. Oh, keep meaning to talk to you about that. In case we ever get to play D&D again. In person. Yeah, I felt... <laughs> in person. I felt all inspired. Um, I I love the idea of sitting there making, like, um, little dioramas and models and things. But I'm a perfectionist, which is a problem because I pr- procrastinate. Puh, puh, puh. Um, so I tend to not start anything for fear of doing it wrong. And then I just, like, piss about anyway. Um, but if I made... <laughs> A D&D set, so to speak, you know, like a 3D battle map. You'd like get to use it once and then that's it. That sort of like troubles me, putting all the effort into doing something. That's kind of what I've been doing at the minute is stockpiling basically old old games workshop stuff. Yeah. um, Just so that I've got something to, to do. For me, in my head, it's like, it's got to be amazing. So if I had the money, you know what I mean? You'd go in, you'd go into one town and I'd have this big table all set up at this town. And then you'd be like, oh, wow. But then I'd have to go and build a whole new town if you went to the next town along. And, and that's how my <laughs> head works. But I need in to get it end. down to being, no, I just need a core set of buildings. And that's, you know what I mean? That's what you're getting. Yeah. Um, the way our group plays D&D. Just, just need loads <laughs> of fireballs. You're going left. I'm going right. I'm going to my hometown. <laughs> now, we do work together sometimes. Honestly. But yeah, I I mean, I've ordered uh, a few little houses that have been 3D printed just to see how yeah. they've turned out. Give them a little bash. Have you heard of book nooks? Yeah, it's like a space between on your bookcase and the people have been building. I think I saw a cool Diagon Alley? Yeah. Um, I found this, uh, I think it's a girl, um, I think they're called Nerd Forge, um, and they're on YouTube, and she builds these amazing things for these book nooks, um, and they're so detailed, they, they look yeah. gorgeous. I, I totally fell down a YouTube hole um looking at these things and i would love to build one but again it's like i mean i haven't got a a, a library where i could put such a thing so <laughs> i don't know but the idea of making them miniature things really appeals to me but i'm gonna have to yeah, find a use you know something more practical to justify making it you need your games room sorting out uh... well you know when people are allowed back to your house and you can have stuff done again then <laughs> so yeah i built that uh i will eventually paint it yeah <laughs> eventually so at the minute i've got a couple of houses i've got a shipwreck and i've got a graveyard and the arcane 
ruins. So it's like a little Stonehenge temple. Yeah. Uh, the ones I really want are like the um, Witch Fate Tour. So it's like a big wizard's tower. Oh, okay. Surprise, surprise. This Games Workshop. So these models are from Warhammer Fantasy. So they're obsolete. And you're talking of, yeah, you're talking of crazy money. Um, fortified yeah. manor house. You're talking of like four, five hundred quid. One of my friends is quite into making miniatures um i think she started off doing like little christmas decorations um and she she did a like a little sweet shop i think um and they're really tiny really detailed and they look so good um and I th- i'm sure i've seen it's, it's like a, a greenhouse or something um and you buy the kit um and it's all you know quite fiddly which again i mean i'm talking about doing miniatures but i've got yeah i don't know what you call them but i've just got like fat fingers i'm really clumsy (laughs) um i'm not very good i'm not very delicate that's the word um so i could probably make buildings and stuff yeah, I can say if you made buildings it doesn't matter then you could just go oh it's it's supposed to be ru- like a ruin <laughs> it's supposed to be a ruin <laughs> the problem i have is i've i've got these miniatures and my eyes yeah. are so bad i can't see to paint them uh well you know i mean i'm like magnifying glasses galore like i'm at the opticians just to see yeah that's why i got uh peed off Doing the Warhammer ones. Um, oh, you were doing the Slanish, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I were really going to give it a go. Because um, I think I would have a go at playing the game um, with some tutelage. Um, but putting the models together, I just have not got the patience and the time. And I can't bloody see them. I really can't. And I got one of them magnifying glasses with a light on it. And you clip it to your table. And I'm trying to see where you glue this tiny bit of plastic to this tiny bit of plastic. And I, I just can't see it. And I'm not blind or anything. I do wear glasses, but they're not. there's not a massive magnification. <laughs> Maybe any stronger ones. But I just couldn't do it. And I thought, oh, you know, stuff this. I can't be arsed. And then you're supposed to paint the bleeding things. And I thought, oh, you know what? <laughs> There's more to life. I can learn macrame instead. My problem is I'll look at I'll look at them, I'll build them, but then I'm looking at Games Workshop's professional painters or the people online that are like really, really good. And then I look at mine and it looks yeah. like a four year old's done it. And it's like <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> why do I fucking bother? I, I, I in my head I want it to look like that. If it doesn't yeah. look like that, I'm not playing with it. I'd be embarrassed to put these on a table. <laughs> Well, some, I mean, say my other half plays 40k. Um, He's got a channel on YouTube, actually. I should probably plug it at some point. Um, Planet 40k on YouTube. We'll link it. I'll link it in the description. Oh, yeah, we'll put a link in. Um, All things uh, Warhammer 40k. Um, But yeah, some people do rock up with non-painted ones, and I know that you can get some places will penalise you for that. Yeah, that is precisely the point that I was going to make. It was literally like you sucked it out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it and you just said it. That's weird. Um, but yeah, you're not allowed to play in games unless you've got painted ones. Some clubs are like proper hot on that stuff. Um, that's that's how I was starting the point. Because um, say my other half, one of his armies, he refused to paint it because he's not 
you know, a million dollars at painting them. So rather than making them look rubbish, he thought, well, I'll just leave them. And he don't play in clubs or anything, so it didn't matter. But um, I did hear that, yeah. yeah it's, it's supposed to be fun. And if it gets a bit like that, it's not a painting competition. No, I mean, if you want to do a painting competition, then you can join one. But if you just want to play the game and you're not very good at painting, yeah, I think you should still be allowed to join I in. Mean, it don't get me wrong, it does look better when, you know I mean, it's aesthetically pleasing to look at a nice 40k battlefield oh, and they're yeah, all painted yeah. up and stuff and you're like, oh, that's a lot of work gone into that, that's yeah. kind of cool. But they have released some paints, I can't remember what they're called, but... Um, the, the contrast yeah, ones. Yeah, they're supposed to be easier, aren't they? Yeah, I keep meaning to get a couple of them to try. Yeah, um, I don't know if they are, I mean, I've never... But we went into lockdown and I've just not bothered buying any paints. No, yeah, well, it's not like you're going to be playing a game with anybody this side of Christmas, maybe. That's Christmas 2021. Well, it gives me a chance to catch up. I'm sat here and I'm looking. I've got a Warhammer Age of Sigma uh, box of ghouls, flesh eater courts to build and paint. Ooh. I've got a Lord of the Rings uh, Lake Town house to build and paint. <laughs> you should stop buying shit, Mike. <laughs> how, how do you, you know, how do you get on? What You need to, like... Pack working, you know, concentrate on what's important, painting your models. Well, yeah, it's, I'll set up another, ch- I'll set up a channel and video my progression from <laughs> shit painter to mediocre. Yeah, it, it's a journey. <laughs> M- middle-aged miniature maker. <laughs> middle-aged miniature mum, mum, right, mum? Maybe not. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Uh, intro sorted yeah <laughs> it's like nearly 50 minutes we need to sort this out i apologize i apologize oh, listeners cool. just <laughs> go with it um the rise of the rpg what do you mean by that it's to do with the basically the popularity of rpgs in general uh mainly mainly D. let's be honest D's yeah big yeah it's the most accessible one. It's the the big brand, isn't it? It's the Premier League yeah. of role-playing games. Yeah. Maybe not the best one in some eyes, but... Well, it, de- it most definitely has problems. Um, I know there's times when I've wanted to do something or played it out in my head, and the mechanics of it just don't really allow you. And if you're lucky and you've got a good DM then they will sort of fudge things a bit to get your story working how you want it. But um, now sometimes they are a bit clunky, but then it's easy to get to grips with, isn't it? Yeah. My, my, my issue with 5e is I don't like the character builder. If you're just using out the player's handbook, I know they've added to it various other modules. Yeah. But I find it's really limited yeah. It's like, oh, I'm a fighter and I'm an ex-soldier. And it's like, oh, but that's kind of not the background I wanted. I wanted it more... I think, um, I mean... I... Maybe I wanted him as a farmer and, and he's progressed into to being a, a mercenary or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's... I think they have um, updated things a bit with um, Tasha's Cauldron. Um, I've got it. I've not actually read it properly all the way through, to be fair. But I think it does give a lot more flexibility on um, racial levels, definitely. 
Um, you know, if you're an orc, you don't just have to be a stereotypical orc. You could be a really intelligent, yeah. maybe less muscular or something. They've, you know, broadened things that way. My D&D game's in, set in Midgard, made by Kobold Press, and they, for ages, have, you have been able to play all the races. So you could be a kobold, a goblin. Do, do you know what I mean? You can be all the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, most of all the races. Yeah. Which I think is better. Um, you need something simple to get started with. So I think the player's handbook does do that um, quite well. But you also need the scope to be able to create a character of anything um yeah. how you desire it to be because you're the one playing it at the end of the day um so this the new wave i suppose you could call it um do you think it mainly centers around stranger things no i believed a lot of the popularity is to do with how we consume content um i think mainly a lot of it is due to a lot of games being streamed on twitch yeah. you've got all the actual play podcasts youtube channels you could probably log on twitch now and there'd probably be eight or nine different actual play games of dungeons and dragons that's without any call of cthulhu or warhammer um yeah yeah and i think that has increased the popularity of it and a lot of that i think as well is um critical role not a huge critical role fan myself but millions of people are no uh, neither am i i know people go mental for it um i i think it's a little bit too polished um i used to watch people play um um roll 20 players um and i really enjoyed it um but critical role for me was just too much like just too professional, like voice actors and doing things too properly. <laughs> yeah, they do say there is the, uh, is it they call it the critical role effect? So people get into the hobby thinking it's all going to be like that. Yeah. What they don't show is the 20 minute conversation about the same rule of jumping. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, we did that four weeks I know. ago. I know, but we've all forgotten. <laughs> Which rules are you going to sort of not obey properly, depending on what sort of game you're playing? Um, but they're all discussions that you know you have with your players while you're playing. Um, but if it was like you said, like say Twitch and that, what do you think sparked people putting games on Twitch, or was it just I don't know people thinking what can they put on Twitch, and it just sort of happened naturally? I wasn't really watching Twitch at the start of it, so I don't quite know what the first shows were i don't know whether it was just a group of people sort of going let's put something different on it's it's normally people playing red dead or whatever the cyberpunk you know let's be a bit different and just put this up we used to play it yeah and i honestly don't know how it started on now yeah see i i i would have to obviously put myself in that new wave of players um i did play once when i was about 17 um i didn't really know what i was doing i don't think i even really knew it was D, to be fair i just remember picking the name of a character and rolling some dice and some various things happened and i had to interact with this guy and i felt a bit weird uh half pretending to be somebody um 
but I was always aware of Dungeons and Dragons and what it was, and I just went through my life never interacting with it. Um, and then after I had um, my little boy, uh, it was the same year that Stranger Things um, came out, 2016, um, and I just wanted um, something for myself, a new hobby that, you know, didn't involve looking after small people. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, stuff it, I'm going to try and get involved in this Dungeons and Dragons business. Um, so I started getting involved watching stuff on YouTube and Twitch and um, it was actually, and oh, I can't remember his name, bless him, but it was a streamer on Twitch. Um, that helped me design my very first character um, that I used in our first game. Um, and he was literally like live helping me, talking me through. Because um, I have found the whole community very friendly, to be honest. I've never had any trouble. Everybody's been really helpful and I've been, you know, welcomed into it by everybody. So I know not everybody's had that experience from what I've seen on Facebook. <laughs> Is that more to do with you being more of the opposite sex? I mean, I, a great bulk of it is the sad, lonely male nerd. <laughs> White, straight, male. <laughs> no, but I've seen it on, like, Facebook groups where people have gone, oh, I'm looking for a game, and it's been a man asking, and there's been no response, and yet a, a, a female lady will ask the same question, and there'll be about 20 responses of... <laughs> Oh, I'm playing on Sunday and got space if you I want. I think it's probably a combination because, I mean, you've got more females playing now. You've also got a lot more diverse group playing uh, full stop. And I've noticed a lot of games when they're advertising for people or whatever, and it'll say LGBTQ friendly um, because, unfortunately, I think the stereotype of the straight white male running a straight white male game can be quite intimidating. Um, and that can be unfair. Um, but I do think when you're in your own zone, um, you know, small jokes that you might include in a game that you won't realise could be offensive to somebody. Um, and then it's like, oh, if, if you were a, a gay man wanting to get involved and play and everybody, it was all straight men and somebody had a scene where they, they went into a gay club and it was supposed to be funny, but you might just feel a little bit awkward. It's like, oh, OK, I know you're not attacking me, but it, it's just awkwardness. So I think people going into games, females going into games where there are other females, it just makes you feel a bit safer. And, I mean, there has been a bit of uh, controversy around it, hasn't there? There was... It was the UK Games Expo that we went to, actually. 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact story, but somebody ran a game. I can't remember if it was a rape or uh, some sort of assault. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can... Yeah, and I can imagine, you know, not not to stereotype, but if you are a group of straight white blokes, <laughs> you run the world. Um, <laughs> you know, there you may get used to saying and acting uh, in a certain way um, because they're the only people that have been playing these sorts of things. And I, I presume it was innocent because surely... 
going to an expo and running a game and including something like that, he had to have thought it was okay. I can't imagine that he went in thinking, right, I'm going to try and upset some people. But it's also a bit stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because you're playing at an expo where you're not going to know yeah. that much about the group you're playing yeah. with. Um, out of our group, it's kind of... It's, it's not hard because even I don't know everything about all of you guys. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I don't want to touch on some of the effects but i kind of know what i can get away with yeah so i'd probably do more awkward stuff with you guys than i would others yeah as you get as you get to know people then you you know as you become friends then you do relax a bit and you do you know maybe push a few boundaries but if you are at an expo and you don't know anybody you know surely you keep the storyline pretty easy <laughs> you know um it's like you you joined us and and i had to throw out all my bikini clad barbarian women <laughs> oh, shut up. i got them all lined up but, oh no we've got a we've got a lady with us now we can't have the bikini clad barbarian women anymore heroines tied to the table uh, damsels in distress you know what what's funny was like <laughs> initially <laughs> Initially, when I joined our group, it was like every time anybody swore, they apologised <laughs> to me. And I'm like, um, I don't understand. <laughs> I probably swear more than you lot put together. Um, but I, I understand it was like a respect thing. I mean, you know, um, having a female coming into your group when you were all blokes anyway. Um, I mean, maybe that's intimidating. For you, for you as men, I don't know. Oh God, there's a girl. There's a girl. I don't know what to do. What do we do? I don't know. I think it's just intimidating having anyone new. Yeah. Um, I think we're lucky in that we got quite yeah. a big age range as well. Yeah, that helps. Cause when you're young, you're stupid anyway. It's it's not like a group of old yeah. kids or a group of old men. It's we got kind of quite a good. Yeah, and that 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 probably does help. Um, because I know I have seen people um on Facebook talking about groups that they're in. And they've, I don't know, stupid players, stupid DMs, people being, you know, just awkwardly awful in the game. And it's, we've never had any of that, which, you know, I'm really grateful for. So I know not everybody's as lucky. It's, it's a game and I think we try to try. Everyone's got to have fun. Yeah, that's the bottom line. And I know the introduction of the X card, it seems more prominent in games like Cthulhu. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a X card D and D game. Um. Well, they do have other rules, don't they? Is it something called behind the veil? Because if I if somebody was running a game and I was playing, and they wanted to create a dynamic where somebody had been hurt or assaulted, um, I don't think I don't think you even need to include a rape theme to be honest, unless there's going to be a child produced, um. But you don't have to actually be witness to it. Um, you can just, you know, I think, you know, they say they're drawing a veil over it and just provide some basic details of what's happened, but you don't have to role play it. Yeah. I think that's what the, you know, what the clangor is. I, I know when I've played my, my Cthulhu games are set in like the 1920s, but it's kind of like I tried to make it an alternate 1920s. Yeah. So the whole racism thing's played down quite a bit yeah yeah we don't need that we'd be looking at horrors rather more than 
that social side of it. Well, do you remember? So I do try to play them down. Yeah, I mean, again, at the UK Games Expo, um, there were there was four of us: um, you, me, uh, my other half, and one of my other friends um, who's from Goa. Um, and we were all stood waiting to go in, and it was like, oh, spot the only brown man in the crowd. <laughs> And we were like, you know, talking about it and having a joke. Um, but it is a very, you know, white male dominated arena, isn't it? So I think it's slowly changing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With the popularity now, um, especially if you look at games that are being streamed, it's a lot more diverse. It's a lot more interesting um you know female straight trans people from everywhere all sorts of colors and shapes and sizes and it's just better because people have different experiences and they can play different and better characters i think so no i I think uh the popularity like um chaosium uh i think it was a like an all-black writing crew did harlem unbound oh okay Oh, I've not heard of that. I think there's a D&D booklet on the DMs Guild that was all adventures written by women. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I think it was a lot of them was all to do with women or something. I can't, I've not looked at it. Yeah. Probably should have before I made this statement. <laughs> no, I just think that the more diverse it is, you just make for a better story. And it's just it's just getting better. More people are playing. There's more money getting put into these things. Um, and I don't know how it was before, but I think there's like more independent RPGs coming about. Like I've seen quite a few things on uh, Kickstarter and I've had a few sent to me. There was one I really wanted to buy because it looked awesome. It was like some Nordic uh, set fantasy world. Um, you might have even sent me the link to it. I can't bloody remember what it was called. Um, but there's loads out there now. Yeah, you know. the, I mean, the ones I've backed at the moment, I've backed, hopefully it comes out soon, uh, Beowulf. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Which is, it's like a fifth edition sort of Anglo-Saxon Viking sort of setting. But it's one one DM, one player. Um, you can run it with a, like two or three but it's it's quite an interesting rule set um that's done by a small company called handiwork games oh okay no it sounds really interesting i remember the was it the animation um didn't what's his face do the voice from gladiator i don't know or am i making that up (laughs) but no there's been quite a few little bits that i've backed but i mean yeah you've got some real interest in RPGs themselves that are not D and D. Yeah, there there is a lot more out there. Is it Shadows of the Demon Lord? It's Vihander, War Warhammer, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Rune Quest. And once you start playing, you get sucked into wanting to play more and different games, but you have to play them more than once to give it, you know, the time to get into it. Yeah, oh, I just love RPGs, really. <laughs> um. And we've already mentioned sort of, you know, lamenting about playing in in person. But I think maybe lockdown has potentially had a positive impact on it, perhaps. Um, people that might not have had some a club or anything to go to. Um, there's been more games being put on 
Roll20 and I think there's another one called Fantasy Grounds. That's another online system, I believe. You've got Roll20, Fantasy Grounds, and there's a Foundry tabletop. Yeah. Fantasy Grounds and Foundry are, I think, much better than Roll20. Why aren't we using them then? <laughs> um, you have to buy into them, so they're quite oh. expensive and they're really quite hard set up. So I think Roll20 is a bit of a plug and play. Yeah. Whereas uh, Fantasy Grounds and all that is a lot more, I'd have to create all the macros and all the bits and pieces. But I think they are better. Yeah. Roll20 is what we used. It was kind of what we were dabbling with before we went into lockdown and it was just easier to... Yeah. You can just pick it up. It's uh, it's very easy to use. Um, But yeah, it, it would be nice to play in person. But I am very thankful that we do have that um method um that we've been able to continue playing i mean the pop as you say the there's more online games so it is leading to more people getting into a game online and hopefully that will transfer to in-person games yeah, i i think so yeah. i know i'm playing a hell of a lot more D now online than yeah i just stick to my uh stick to my two games i haven't got the head space <laughs> for any more I thought about it, but I was like, oh, God, I just can't. I can't <laughs> leave it. Um, but something uh, I noticed from good old Father Christmas, um, merchandise, I think that's a good indicator of how popular something is because there is D&D stuff all over the shop. I mean, you're not just talking, you know, T-shirts and mugs. Um, I got a, a table lamp for Christmas in the shape of a D20, and um, it's, it's really cool. It like changes colour, but it's official like Wizards of the Coast merchandise. You know, it's not just a D20. It's got their actual yeah. logo on it. Um, and I did get a mug as well. <laughs> I got a D12 mug. You've also got a um. You know, you've made it big when you have a, an annual. I did see on Amazon that there was a Dungeons and Dragons oh, annual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like a watered-down version of the PHB, I think. Is it? Um, yeah, and I think it's designed to get a slightly younger generation into playing it. Because they did have them younger... I've seen like the books and it's like the monsters and stuff. Yeah, they're a lot younger, younger though, aren't they? But these, I think these are more aimed at sort of like younger teens perhaps um because they're probably but that's what that's what you need to do you need to sucker them in now oh yeah <laughs> and take them for i life. first played D back into 80s during the satanic panic <laughs> oh god it was it was like oh i love this game but then i kind of gave it up i brought a copy of third edition never played it and then got suckered back in at fifth yeah but it you know what i mean you just got to get them initial hooks in yeah i think was it and what you'll what you'll probably find is it'll drop down in popularity but then you'll have the young kids that played fifth edition coming back in maybe yeah seventh or eighth yeah yeah because that's the thing when are they gonna do when do you reckon they'll do sixth edition i don't would they be stupid no, to do it now I don't, soonish? I don't, no i don't think it's going to be a quick thing because they're doing all these supplements so i think they are riding this wave of 5e um i think they've got a couple more years in it definitely i personally think that they'll do a six either a three point uh, not 3.5 a 5.5 and change some of them or a six 
and I think it's five years to its 50th anniversary or summit. Oh, okay. And I wonder whether they'd tie it in then. I don't know. I mean, what they're going to... I mean, maybe like the things, like we said, like with Tasha's Cauldron, where they've made character creation um, a lot broader. I mean, maybe it's going to be... I can only imagine that they make it more of a blank slate where you really have the ability to make whatever you want. But would that be more of the Warhammer fantasy roleplay path where you end up choosing a profession? You can You can start as a beggar. And then you progress, instead of XP levelling up, you sort of progress careers. I mean, I prefer that system for that character creation side of it. Yeah, there's things that you can't include, like in D&D, where you just want to play a game. I mean, if you're creating a character that's 50 years old, you do a background, but you're not creating 50 years of life. But sometimes it would be really, really interesting to be able to do things like that and... I know there are rules about downtime, crafting, learning new skills, but I mean, I've never been in a game where those sorts of things have been used, but it sounds really interesting, but I think it is more of the like long campaign game, perhaps, where you're thinking about what you're going to do. It's a tricky road to balance a fun game of D&D to micromanaging loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to run an over-crumbling system... <laughs> over-crumble. You've then got to manage that, but then you'd also have to manage downtime. And then yeah. I know people that have done games where if you want to level up to... If you want to get, like, a dual-wheel defeat or something, you've then got to go and find a sword master to train you. Yeah. This feat. It, it totally depends on what your group is like, how you're playing... And I think for the majority of group that are doing it for a bit of fun, it's something to chill out with when you're not at work, blow off a bit of steam, act a bit stupid. Um, I don't think you've got... You don't want to be spending the brain power on thinking about them tiny little things. You want to go into a tavern and blow some up. <laughs> and that's, you know... I think that's... Uh, why settle with just do. the tavern? There's a whole town. There's blowing wow. it all up. <laughs> um, but something, something I saw that I really wanted to get. Just talking about the merchandise bit. There was, um, they were releasing these My Little Pony crossovers, um, gift sets, and there was a My Little Pony Dungeons and Dragons crossover set. And I think there's like is that that um, oh, what did they call it? Some cutie marks and dungeons or something might be i'm not 100 percent sure there were different ones though it wasn't just my little ponies but i really wanted it um so you've got like i don't know four my little ponies but they're all adventurers but it's like 50 quid and i thought i'm gonna stick it on the shelf and it'll be nice and i'll look at it but do i really want <laughs> to start of hoarding <laughs> but i'm not it's start of hoarding. i'm a minimalist <laughs> cutie marks and dragons my Little Pony with Dungeons and Dragons crossover collection. Yeah, it's like fifty quid, and there's a box of four in there. Because there is a a My Little Pony RPG, isn't there? There is. Um, uh, t- Tales of Equestria. Yeah, um, it is apparently quite good. Um, I can't remember where I was reading about it, but it was like somebody who plays D and D. I think they're probably showing it to their kids or something. Um, but it, it is actually quite a good game, apparently. Um, and I'm gonna have the uh, 
the joy of hopefully introducing my little boy to all these sorts of things as he gets um, a bit older. Um, he will do it. I've got him into Lego. Box number one no, ticked. I, I failed on that. My daughter hates Lego. <laughs> RPGs is the next one. Gutting. Oh. She didn't mind playing with it, but she doesn't have oh. no patience <laughs> to build it. No imagination. Yeah. We got we got Lego when we got some Playmobil. So, you know, that that's like Lego, but they're already made, basically. And he always went for the Lego. He likes sticking them together in completely random... I would say wrong, but it's his imagination, so we can do what he likes. He makes these little things and brings it to me and says, it's a city. I'm like, oh, how lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to the RPGs. We shall, we shall. They have included D&D in the odd film here and there. Um, not actually counting the Dungeons & Dragons film that came out in 2002. No, Was it? Because there's two, isn't there? And they're all bad. One is Mazes and Monsters. Um, <laughs> Mazes and Monsters is on YouTube for free. Tom Hank, Tom Hanks cares that much about it. Um, but yeah, I think the one that came out in 2002, it's just got nothing to do with Dungeons & Dragons, really. I mean, it has a mage in it, and it's a bit sword and sorcery job. Um and I believe there are dragons in it. I've, it's been that long since I've seen it, but it's certainly not anything for fans that play the game. Um, but I watched, oh, what's it called? Animated Disney Channel. Well, there's a lot of animation on the Disney Channel. Onward! Uh, yeah, I've not seen that. It is really good. Definitely watch it. It is the most D&D thing I have ever watched. Ever. I'm not, I'm not going to give anything away, but there is a quest. They poke fun at things, but it's just really, really good. And as a player of D&D, that film just totally rocks. Definitely watch it. Did you see the advert for, I think it was something like Just Eat or something like that, and he was doing a delivery, and one of them was to a load of people playing D&D. Really? I've not seen that. And it, yeah, it portrayed them as a real bunch of nerds they were there dressed with their little wizard hat well, on and it was just like <laughs> yeah that's so true but at the same time it makes us look like idiots you have a hobbit outfit <laughs> i do i just outed you <laughs> i was bit, my, 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 my outfit was to match my body shape oh i have <laughs> I, I have big feet <laughs> I have thought about that on one day when I'm going to venture into cosplay. It's like, okay, we've got to be realistic about this. I don't think dressing up in a bo- as a Borg is ever really going to happen. Unless I, I don't <laughs> eat for a few years. Um, but you never know. But what else? There's E.T. actually. We had E.T. on the other day. Um, at the very beginning of that, they're playing Dungeons & Dragons at the table. Like his older brother... And he tells Elliot that he can't join in. And that was the first time I realised that uh, Dungeons and Dragons was included there. Um, and obviously Stranger Things. Um, poor old Will. I think Stranger Things was a big a big contributing factor. I mean, it'd be silly to blank it off. It, it has brought a lot of people back or introduced a lot of people yeah. to D&D. Because Stranger Things... Is a bit of an odd series. It's sort of for adults, but it's like for teenagers as well. And I think it marries the two together quite well, which I think is really hard. 
Because when things are aimed at teenagers, sometimes it's just when you're older, it's like, oh, Christ. That first series was amazing. There's so many little bits in that that was in there mm. for just me. Um, even just looking at the logo when it had come up and you got the little yeah. white static dots as if you were watching the VHS and it's just like pure nostalgia trip. Yeah. Um, it slowly got not as good like most things. But I think some of that as well might be down to me getting a new 4K TV. Yeah. So a lot of programs I've watched and thought that's like they're in a film set. Oh, okay. That looks so fake now. It's not as dark and gritty as... I, I struggled with that. When I went to pictures to see um, The Hobbit, it looked too real and I didn't enjoy it. It was like watching EastEnders. It had that clear reality to it. Have you seen... Probably not, but they've just released uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings in 4K. No. Yeah, they've just released them in 4K and he's actually gone through and he's recolor scaled it all. Oh, wow. And he's also said that some of the special effects didn't hold up, so they've actually redone them. Oh, wow. So he was saying that, you know, like some of the bits looked naff in 4K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've actually yeah. not added anything to it. It's not it's not a George Lucas, let's add a whole new bit. But he's yeah. what was there, <laughs> he's made look more realistic. Oh, wow. Oh, I'll have to give that a go. I mean, I stupidly bought things on Amazon Prime and then, like, the Disney Channel came out and that streams at a lot better quality than Amazon does, by the way. Amazon, you're listening. <laughs> sort it out. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Nerdbunker Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nerdbunker Pod. And you can find us on Patreon at Nerdbunker Podcast podcast or nerd bunker pod just type in one of them it'll probably bring us up once again thanks for listening and i'll catch you next week bye bye intro music is battle theme by kamiku and is used under creative commons zero license all copyrights are property of their holders and everything else belongs here in the bunker please follow us on twitter instagram at nerd bunker pod and like us on facebook please leave a review as it really helps them out Thank you for listening.